You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Breaking! Ralph Facciano of uh, Sports New York, SNY. Breaking, Jets quarterback Sam Donald is out for this Sunday's game. Shocker. Shocking, considering that it was a life or death decision. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 127, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Which uh, we were joking before the show has now officially been enfranchised on a t-shirt with my face on it. None of which I wanted to happen. All of which occurred in a flash. Very quickly. I opened up Twitter and all of a sudden there it was being, well, it was originally for TDN and then you requested a BGN version and and subsequently got it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll have to make sure I throw a TM on there. Kind of, I'll have to make some sort of branded initials sort of thing. BS being my initials, of course. And then I'll have to uh, sell it and make millions of dollars. Just what needs to be done. I'm getting these made into pajamas for Augustus. And then he's also going to have like the like the sweatpants. And he's going to have a picture of you on either side with delicious on the butt. <laughs> Good. It's, I think it's an important thing for children to learn that everything is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say that on here without being tagged by the FBI? Okay. Well, I wasn't thinking about it that way. But I'm glad that you were. That's comfortable for me. Okay, let's let's get this thing back on the rails. We are here for some preview shows. So today what we're going to be doing is the Eagles defense against the Jets offense. Yes, nailed it. Then tomorrow we'll have the Eagles offense against the Jets defense. Before we get to that, and look, we're going to get to all of the injury report, like the major stuff. We're still going to talk about like Sam Donald and, and whatnot, but uh, the other the other parts that don't necessarily affect this side of the ball, we'll get to that tomorrow as well. But right now, Ben, I wanted to ask you about this Thursday night football game that we just witnessed last night, because the Rams, despite putting up some points, they get taken down by the team that I picked to win the NFC West, the Seattle Don't Seahawks. Don't say that as if it wasn't my idea first. I have put up the banner, mission accomplished, the season is over. I Seahawks you, are <laughs> totally ignoring the 49ers. Seahawks are winning that division. I'm very upset with this. I figured the Seahawks were going to win the division. I was the one who, when we did the previous shows, came out with the strong, I have a take Rams regression 2K19. Okay, so... I'm going to have to now do the thing. See, this is a problem. I don't like going back in the episodes and finding the things. It takes forever, but I'm going to have to go back in the episode and find the thing to prove to you that I knew this. First, regardless. But 
Ben, no, re- no, regardless, nothing. Ben, I was the one that had to take on Twitter that McVeigh might not be the exact genius that we think it all is, that then made it to Reddit, that then had about 5,000 comments calling me a loser. <laughs> so I at like least I how, put myself out oh, So you're out coming there. back at me with Reddit clout? Brother. This is just shameful now. This is just sad. Do you see what goes down in Reddit? It is a cesspool no, there, I brother. Avoid it's it a scary all place. <laughs> My buddies love Reddit for like not football things, right? They yeah. they they you know are constantly like sharing funny things from there, and I always want to tell them like, hey, just go swing by, you know, either our Eagles or our NFL or our college football, and you can probably find people who hate my guts. Like my Miles Sanders article, which made it to Reddit as well. The one where you were like, hey, maybe the guy who's only played four career games in the NFL could be better, and people were yeah. mad. <laughs> big takes, Mike. Big takes. Yeah. The Rams. So, firstly. And this is a, a critical thing. You can't hit send tweet on anything that would not have made sense had Greg Zerline made a field goal he typically makes. Correct. As, a, like, as, a, as an example, Trey Wingo of ESPN, who was a very entertaining <laughs> analyst, uh, had a tweet uh, of the Cowboys lost to the, the uh, Saints in primetime Sunday night about uh, the, the the Cowboys regularly winning when Ezekiel Elliott rushed for at least 75 yards. And obviously people responded with, well, this is selection bias. Those games in which Zeke rushed for 75 or more yards, typically there was already a lead established before that figure was uh, broken because yeah. the Cowboys were just feeding Zeke the rock to run off the clock. Apparently, Wingo did not take well to this feedback um, because he shared at the end of last night over the past two games, Jared Goff has thrown for 912 yards, and the Rams have lost both of them. There's no balance to their offense. 117 pass attempts, only 2019 rushing attempts in the losses to the Bucks and to the Seahawks. If Zerline makes a field goal, then the Rams are 1-1. One one yeah. Against a, a sneaky good Bucks team and a, and a really good, tough Seahawks team in the divisional game. On the road, on Thursday. Right. Against a very, very good team. The whole gut punch of, of the Rams throwing the ball too much is lost if Zerline just makes the field goal. I mean, like, want to know why they passed it? I thought, well, those last two drives, Jared Goff, you know, had four passes on the first drive. Obviously, he ended with the interception on the one. And then the next drive, they got the ball back. You know, like, eight passes. And so there's 12. Then they shouldn't have been runs, and you and I both know that. Um, So... What about the Seahawks last year when they ran for 190 and 273 yards on the ground while scoring 31 points in both games against Rams, and they lost both games? Like, where, where is Wingo's coming on that? Anything anything that ends with, and they lost both games, or and they won both games, is is difficult for me. Because right. when we... When we ignore, when we isolate one thing and ignore everything else that goes right. around it, yeah, it gives it the improper weight. You, you, you want to begin with the end in mind. Like, how do you decide what to do on the football field? Whether it's situational play calling, uh, risk-reward in circumstances of going for two or going for it, or, or you know, the, the play designs that you run, whether it's run-pass balance, whether it's who gets targets where, all these decisions that we make, we want to begin with the end in mind. And the end is obviously winning football games, so we acknowledge that. But it is not so easy as to say, well, here are you know, a handful of games, three, four games, which we run, we won with this formula. Yeah. And accordingly, this is what we're going to base our decision-making model off of. I just don't think that's enough data 
with which to create a model. And so if we're going to begin with the end in mind, we have to not only look at what has won us games in recent weeks, which I believe does have a place in terms of don't fix what ain't broke. If your offense has found a, a groove doing something, you should try to remain in that groove. Yeah. But we have to look at the wealth of wins that not only we have had over multiple years, but that the NFL has had, because we might be winning on a model that while efficacious for us is not more efficacious than the general model of other NFL teams. Like, I'm sure the Cowboys for the past few years have been a a, a good running team in the first three quarters when the score was still in jeopardy, and they have won games because of their ability to run the football. But I don't think that occurs to the frequency to which teams win games because of their ability to throw the football in the first three quarters and generate a lead accordingly. There was a a hilarious moment that went woefully underappreciated in the Rams-Seahawks game, which was the sideline reporter, who, forgive me, I don't remember who it was, reflected and was reporting on a conversation she had with Russell Wilson, in which Russell said, you know, other teams like blowing out teams early, but we love playing in these close games, which is the most ludicrous sentence I've ever heard in my entire life masquerading as regular. And of course it's, it's, it's QB speak. Of course it's football player face of the franchise speak. But there's not a player in the world who would rather be down by four with two minutes left. Like, sure, that moment's exciting, but you know what's even better? Knowing halfway through the third quarter, you don't have to care anymore. Right. Getting the last three drives off. Running somebody out the gym. Absolutely. Do you think a blowout is not fun for Russell Wilson? The game has become so easy and subsequently so boring for him that he needs to have like the thrill of these close games. And that's why the Seahawks keeps losing dumb, stupid games to bad teams they shouldn't lose to, playing tight games against the Steelers. Yeah. Right? Like, this is a classic. Like, Seahawks are always in these tight games they shouldn't be. You think that's a choice? No. It's a result <laughs> of the, the decisions that they unwittingly make, uh, you know, in terms of the running game and in terms of being aggressive on fourth down that put them in those situations. That's at least the argument that we make from an analytic perspective and from a game management perspective. So, all this goes to say the Rams are now, uh, I believe, three and two, which is not bad. However, The issues with the Rams, I do not think, are related to run-pass balance. I think, as was what we feared, the Rams lost two significant starters on the offensive line, two players who who markedly overplayed their replacement-level backups in Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom. Rob Havenstein, the right tackle, who had one of his best seasons at right tackle, is subsequently, I think, regressing over the first five weeks of the season. The lack of pass protection and run blocking is affecting the the strength of both the running game with Todd Gurley and the passing game with Jared Goff, who, as you and I uh, have remarked before, is one of the quarterbacks whom pressure affects the absolute most. The delta between Goff unpressured and Goff pressured is bigger than that of the average quarterback pressured versus unpressured. Again, on the list of funny tweets I saw last night, uh, somebody said, turns out Todd Gurley's still a pretty good player when he's getting good run blocking. And I said, okay, well, it turns out Todd Gurley's a pretty good player when five other people are being pretty good players. What are we talking about here? <laughs> right? That's right. not how that works. Um, so so there's, there's so much room because there's so many moving variables for false equivalents, for, for, for correlation instead of causation, for just chasing the wrong rabbits down the wrong holes in terms of what is connected to winning football games. And that's why I say beginning with the end in mind and trying to figure out, okay, what should we do on the field that will help us win football games is a much, much, much nastier, more tangled uh, question than it seems. But what we can do is we can watch the Rams in 2018 and we can watch the Rams in 2019 and say what's different. 
And to me, what seems different is the quality of offensive line play and then the ability of the cornerbacks to play man coverage. That's the two <laughs> things that stick out to me. Marcus Peters trying to tackle is is a fun watch, too. So he, he had a real up and Agate down Gabe also not playing too well from what I've seen. Yeah. And then bad. I will never say anything bad about the defensive tackle situation next to Aaron Donald because Strasburg great. Sebastian Joseph Day is one of the rotational <laughs> defensive tackles next to Aaron Donald. This is the nice. only Strasburg person I can think of in my entire life who did anything in the entire world ever except for like Jacob Stroud from whom we got the name. So Sebastian Joseph Day is great. He's an NFL starter and I love it. Um, but maybe they should. No, never mind. There's nothing bad about that situation at all. Nope. Strasburg great. Sebastian Joseph Day. He said hi to me once. Ben. What do you say? I think we delayed on getting to this awful Jets offense. Uh, if people really wanted to hear about like, oh, Luke Falk is bad, more so than that, I I think they're wrong. I definitely agree with that. So it might be a, a quicker preview show as we deal with like the actual content of the Jets. Sam Donald says uh, he's just uh, not trying to die out there, which is an interesting quote because, yeah, yeah the enlarged spleen thing. He could possibly die out there if it, if it ruptures, if he takes a hit. So I can't imagine he plays. We've talked about this already, but that's that's an insane thing to do to put your quarterback out there in that situation without a full week. I mean, he, the guy was just clear for contact. I don't get it, man. If he plays, uh, it really doesn't change my opinion on how this thing is going to go. Even though I like Darnold, dealing with Adam Gase in that offense, that's not going to be... They need to save Darnold from Adam Gase. Such a... a- abomination right it's like a twisted result of the impetus and the expectations put on a, a franchise quarterback right like you have to love the game that's what we say you know when quarterbacks come up in the draft there's, there's a point that i love the game and it is because it's a grind and there's going to be times in which you're beat up and you have to play and you're gonna have to practice more than the other guys practice and whatever but there's a line somewhere in the sand and on the opposite side of it from oh you have to love the game so you practice hard is hey if you get hit in the spleen, you might die, but we're 0-4 and we want to, you know, lose to the Eagles by less than we would if we played Luke Falk. Are you kidding? This is not a thing. There's no way Sam Darnold plays. They said, like, oh, they're going to test him out before the game. And what? Like, watch him take dropbacks and be like, oh, his spleen seems fine? Like, what, do you, what information are you going to garner from mm. the, you know what I mean? So, I, I like, this is, uh, this is where we get just ridiculous in our in what we expect from our football players and what they should be doing, uh, what they should be fighting through. If Darnold gets anywhere near playing on, on Sunday, I will not only be stunned, um, but I'll hate watching because I'll spend every single play just praying nobody hits him, which is not what you want to do when you're the opposite quarterback. You know, you're rooting for your team. You want somebody to get pressure on him, but I'm not going to want anyone to because I don't want to watch Darnold like potentially writhing in play, pain as his as a key internal organ burst. Like, what even is this conversation right now? Um, I don't think the offense was doing many favors for Darnold, and that's on Adam Gase. And then now Adam Gase potentially being part of a of a of a of a Jets front office that's trying to rush Darnold back from a, a, a spleen issue related to his mononucleosis, like. Yeah, we got to get everybody away from Adam Gates, not just Sam Darnold. <laughs> no, we got to get Le'Veon Bell away from him, too, because they yeah. made an interesting investment. I put this up on uh, Twitter. We'll talk about the run game since that's going to be like the most impactful thing if, from the Jets if their offense gets going at all. But here's what I did. I, I created this metric, and I'm just going to call it a boom-bust metric, where I take the 10-plus yard runs from running backs, and I take the 
zero and negative yard runs from running backs. And then I make a differential on the frequency. So for example, this year, so shockingly, Raheem Mostert has seven 10 plus yard runs, which is 23%. He has four zero to negative yard runs, 13%. His differential is a plus 10%. That's good. That's showing that you're getting good boom out of your game compared to the bust you're getting out of your running game. Now, you look at Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell, when I did this same thing for the past three years, the number one person was Alvin Kamara. He was the only one over those three years with a positive differential on boom-bust runs. Le'Veon Bell was second. Fast forward to 2019, you look at the same metric, Le'Veon Bell is at negative 26% for the differential. So he is taking... Mm -hmm. 16 zero to negative yard runs compared to his only two 10 plus yard runs. Now, what is the difference here? And I'm sure you already know this, but you look at football outsiders adjusted line yards metric in Pittsburgh, 2016, they were third in Pittsburgh, 2017, seventh, 2018, they were 15th. The New York Jets two years in a row, 2018. And so far this year in 2019, 32nd in adjusted line yards. What do you think has to do with the drop-off from Le'Veon Bell as a running back in his product? He's averaging less than three three yards per carry. Ben. Adam Gase probably not getting him into a rhythm. Got to feed him the rock more early in the game to kind of get him, you know, his, uh, get him in a rhythm. Is that the only takeaway that you have there? Body blows, man. You got to wear him out so that pass game can work in the fourth quarter after running the ball a bunch of times and getting yourself down in the game. Here's 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 the real question. Yeah. Somebody watched Ryan Khalil and was like, he'll be a solution for my football team. Now, here's the thing with Khalil. Their center sucked anyway. So there's that. So they figured if our center's going to suck, we might as well bring in this old guy that is going to help with the mental side of thing with setting protections. And that's big for a young quarterback. So I get that part of that. But he's also really just there to collect a check and avoid his family. Like, we, we know what you're up to, Ryan Khalil. So we get that. Left tackle Kelvin Beecham. He's just gross. The left guard is the ghost of Coleccio Simile, and I, I really do think it's a ghost that situation, and ghosts are pretty marginalized blockers, and he's also dealing with an injury as well, did not participate in la the last practice I saw. Right guard, Brian Winters, he had a decent game against the Patriots on the film that I watched, but if he was on the Eagles and he played like he did against Buffalo, he'd be public enemy number one. They'd be killing him, pitchforks and everything. Uh, I think he's played the best of the offensive linemen they've had on the field. I actually think Assembly's probably played better. I don't think Assembly's playing as bad as you seem to think he does. I'll put it to you this way. Winters has played good. For me, you have no idea who he is. I've seen so much better from Assembly, and I think yeah. that's part of the disappointment. He's still, like, decent. I've just seen, like, from what I'm accustomed to with the last time I remember watching Assembly, like, in depth when he was with the Raiders, I freaking loved his game. And now it's it's not so much right tackle. Brandon Shell gave up six pressures last week. So that's what we're dealing with there. So pass protection. I mean, every week PFF does their offensive line versus defensive line matchups. And the Eagles have the second biggest pass rush advantage when comparing the two lines. They should dominate this line. They shouldn't have to. I mean, it doesn't really matter who they put in the box or whatever the case may be. They're going to be able to get up to the quarterback. They're going to be able to contain Le'Veon Bell. There is literally nothing threatening from, oh, wait, we might give up time or we might give up these gaping holes when it comes to this Jets offense. It's just, it's just not. There's nothing concerning. Right, yeah. So it's, it's the worst offense in the league in yards per play. It's the worst offense in the league in terms of third down efficiency. It's the worst offense in the league in terms of per game raw passing statistics, which it's important to take raw game stuff or per game stuff because the Jets have already hit their bye week. 
Um, well, I'm just saying, like, people are like, they have the least yeah. passing yards in the league. I'm like, well, they've only played three games. So, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also they have the least passing guards per play in the league. So you're right. Just, you know, use the correct thing. Yeah. Right. Pretty much the only thing that we don't really know is from an offense perspective is, okay, this is going to be Luke Falk's second start. Are they going to change more to help him? Because, you know, as you and I would argue, when you know you're going to be starting your backup, Obviously, Falk's been in the, the the building for, I think, a little bit more than a year now. He was initially with like the Dolphins and the Titans. He's kind of bounced around a little bit. Yeah. But he's been there, you know, at least since last season. So you expect him to know some of the offense. But typically, you change the some of the ideas in your offense to make the backup more comfortable in the interim. And really, I mean, week three, it, it was the Sam Darnold offense. And they knew Falk was going to be starting. Well, they knew, they knew Falk was going to be playing, uh, you know, uh, uh, Simeon steps in, they saw Falk for a while, and they knew Falk was going to play. So I would like to see Falk, who is, let's not forget, like, a career leader in passing yards in college football in an air raid offense, run more mesh, hmm. run more Y cross, run things he's, I don't know, thrown for many years. Yeah, Washington, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's shocking <laughs> to me that this is not a, a more typically done thing. Um, but then again, I guess we made fun of Adam Gase, and so we shouldn't be too surprised. There's, there's, there's This offense is still the Adam Gase split field West Coast offense, which was good for Peyton. Because Peyton could see everything pre-snap and an and, 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 and audible and check to whatever he needed and then mm-hmm. distribute the football and walk his way down the field. And it was good for Cutler at times because Cutler had a rocket for an arm. and could attack quick developing windows uh, in, in the short areas of the field. It hasn't been good for anybody else. And it's certainly not good for Luke Falk, who does not have a good arm strength, who has a, a slower release than I remember, and isn't a good pre-snap processor, like, at all. Yeah. And this is why Luke Falk's a third-string quarterback. So I get you're not really working with a lot here. I'm not I'm not trying to take that away from you. It's a, it's a tough ass to build an offense around your third-string quarterback. Begs the question why Luke Falk was on your roster to begin with. You could have had better players, whatever. But you're hurting yourself by not throwing in very common, very easily installable air raid ideas to help him out, which I don't think they're doing nearly as much as I would have expected them to. So when we come back, we're going to talk about more about the passing game. We're going to talk about the wide receivers and some of the weapons that the Jets can use. There's one. So we'll talk about Robbie Anderson. Robert! When we come back here on the Kiston Solak Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 127, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, we are covering the Jets offense against the Eagles defense. And let's kind of go through the passing matchups here. Number one, did you realize that Jamison Crowder was on the Jets? I did not realize until I turned the film on. I did. And <laughs> I, well, because I think Jamison Crowder is a generally underrated player, though obviously yeah, for the first quarter of the season, that's not really a great take for me so far. But hey, his quarterbacks have either sucked or, you know, gotten sick. So yeah, he's had injury issues in the past before as well that have kind of put a damper on him. But yeah, I think he's a solid player. I think he's a perfectly crimulent slot player when he is healthy. But really, the only outside receiver to worry about is Robbie Anderson. We mentioned him already. He's going to probably get, I guess, the Rasul Douglas treatment based on where they align. And, And here's the thing. Just roll safety his way. Let Sewell jack him up and trail or sink into a zone from there. Either way, let him be physical, as we've talked about before. He's not running step for step with Anderson. There's a reason that the Eagles inquired about Robbie Anderson when they were looking for a deep threat last year. And we kind of talked about this with Kenny Galladay, too, in the Lions preview when we were surprised just how vertical the Lions passing attack was. You look at Galladay with an average depth of target at 13.4. Anderson, well, he's got half the target, so a smaller sample size. But he's at 13.6 ADOT. I've seen it other places at 14.2. So when he's getting his targets, it is down the field. And I watched every target for Anderson this year, only 18 of them. So not crazy extensive. But I was about to say, that sounds like hard work, but it wasn't. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Uh, working deep outs from, from a number split. I saw a few of those. Saw a, a nice little deep over from a number split. Uh, working a deep corner from the slot. He had a stutter go on the Browns that was covered well, but they hit the back shoulder anyway for 36 yards. So you got to be careful of the, of the double move. You don't want to get burned with that. But like, here's the thing. Are the Eagles going to give up some of those deep outs? Probably. They could probably hit 37 of them if they wanted to, and it would lead to about nine points. Because as we talked about, when the field condenses, that's when Jimbo's defense really kicks in. But I mean, at this point, I, I don't really care. Just don't let them get over the top. Get physical with them. Give him help. Give Rasul help. I don't even care if you only bring three rushers half the time. Let Falk try to figure it out in his mind. Make Falk read things. That's, of course, is if Falk plays and not Darnold. But still, there's nothing really threatening about the Jets' offense. They only have four offensive plays that went for over 20 yards this season yeah. in the passing game, which is 32nd in the league and half of who the 31st-ranked offense has. So, right. Ben, not a lot of juice. But and, and so it's worth saying, you know, like we saw Falk against... Cleveland, obviously, again, with, with a, a, a game plan that was not really installed for him. And Cleveland had some good corners out there. And then against New England, which has been an unbelievable defense through the first four weeks of the season. I think they're going to be able to more successfully throw the ball against the Eagles by virtue of the Eagles not being the Patriots and being the Eagles. I think that Robbie Anderson is going to be able to get coverage against guys like hmm, Orlando Skandrick and Craig James. And I think he's going to be able to uncover, and I think they're going to be able to get him the football. I think that, that, that with Falk's strength, I think this is a big Jamison Crowder spot because I think you're going to want to quickly distribute the ball to the slot, and you're probably going to get Skandrick. Or, I think you're going to get Skandrick, but you might be getting James as well. Of course, you could also get Malcolm Jenkins if the Eagles decide to go that route, and then it's not as much of a Crowder game. But there's there's space for that. And I think that they're going to be able to move the ball in the air better than they have so far this year because they're playing the Eagles. And the Eagles are one of, if not the worst, pass defenses in the league right now. Do I expect consistent playmaking from the quarterback position? Absolutely not. And so that's the thing. is like if you can stay on schedule with stick routes, curl routes, and slants, 
then the Eagles deserve to give up the three points that they'd give after you got to the 20-yard line, all of a sudden the field condensed. But you get an incompletion on second and eight. You know, you you, you get a, a stuffed run, first and, and 10 becomes second and 13. And now you've got to make a play. you got to push the ball beyond the sticks. I mean, Falk in the limited tape that we have of him is, is second worst in the league in terms of intended air yards to the sticks. I think he's at like... Where is it? Not this one. On this one? Nope, not on this one either. Oh, it's down there. Wait. Well, Minus 3.8 attended errors to the six. Second worst in the league. If you need to put this guy in second and long, third and long situations, and then ask him to stay in the pocket and push the ball down the field. In that instance, I think Philadelphia's going to have an advantage. You're going to incorporate the pass rush more. You're going to ask Falk to make harder, more, more difficult, challenging throws. Those Robbie Anderson deep outs... I don't know if Falk has the arm strength to regularly hit those on location and on time. And so this is the the physical handicap you're dealing with when it comes to a quarterback like a third stringer and a third stringer with Luke Falk's particular profile. So I think the the, the, the Jets will probably accumulate passing yards, especially if it's a big uh, score differential in the second half. Yeah. I think they'll be able to move the ball in the air. We shouldn't you know, discount that possibility. They're not going to be able to run it. Nobody is able to run it against the Eagles. And they're certainly not going to be able to regularly convert third and tens regularly convert third and eights third and sevens so that's where philadelphia has to get to so don't let the quick game just put them in you know oh the the jets have eight of 14 third down conversions with an average yards to go of four like that's nightmare for philly because you're gonna let the jets hang in the game put together long drives you know and if the eagles offense isn't you know flawless clicking on all cylinders now it's an unnecessarily close game in the third quarter so that's that's what i look at when i think worst case scenarios uh, I think the Jets are going to be able to throw the ball at least a little bit. The the, the It's the big-time plays that are just, as you said, only four plays more than 20 yards. This is not an offense that can chunk it out. Let's go to the line by DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's go... Oh, is that free ad right there? No, no. They've got a partnership with SB Nation. Hey, unfree ads. <laughs> Paid-for ads by DraftKings Sportsbook. So let, let's go to the prediction here. Over-under is at 44. The line is at... 13 and a half. What if I told you this wasn't the biggest differential in... in... It's uh, New England over Washington is like 16, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's very fair. Let's be honest. It was, yeah, it was abysmal. Haskins isn't ready. Okay. Uh, so what, what does that make the score? If it's 13 and a half, over under is 44. I didn't do the math on this beforehand, so I can't pretend that I'm smart. I'm bad at math, Ben. So it's it probably, noticed. it's what, it's 15-29 about? Yeah, we'll call it that. 15-29. Do you think the Jets go over or under on 15 points? I still think they're probably under 15. I just talked about <laughs> how they're going to score points. But, I mean, that's implying at Touchdowns. least three scoring trips. And right. They, there has to be at least one touchdown there. And it's yeah. very hard to uh, get touchdowns against Philadelphia. And then I'm not sure the Jets are going to have that many consistent drives. The other thing, what we didn't talk about is like turnovers could put this game out of hand super quickly for the Jets because the Eagles should be able to score pretty consistently when they have the football. And mm-hmm. accordingly, like, you know, you could get a huge delta early. But I think that, that below 15 makes sense for me. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go under on 15 as well. I don't see a whole lot of bite in this Jets offense. Uh, ben, tomorrow we're going to be hitting up. We're going to flip sides. We're going to hit the Eagles offense against the Jets defense. Maybe we'll have uh, some better things to say about the Jets defense. They do have some players on that side, but some of them are also banged up. Yep. Uh, ben, would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners. Thank you for listening to the show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Offense versus defense, defense versus offense previews as the New York football Jets come into town. Uh, The Jets have never won a regular season game against the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. 
fun fact about this matchup. Speaking of winning, if you enjoyed the podcast, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. We enjoy the reviews immensely because we enjoy you immensely, and they come from you, and we know they're genuine except for those clear circumstances in which they're not, but that's okay. Did you see the one, uh, the review, where they complimented the Kiss and Solak show and then gave one star? The one? Are you kidding me? Every review compliments the Kiss and Solak. One no, re- but, wait, one star? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He says, oh. loves the show, listens every week, but I wish on the review shows you would you would go over the things that you talked about in the preview show. He specifically mentioned the Green Bay defensive line. I specifically remember us talking about the battle between Kelsey and Kenny Clark and the edge rushers. So, and the fact that the Packers went super light with their personnel, which activated the run game for the Eagles. So I, I, don't, I feel like we did exactly what this guy is asking for, I guess, just not in the way that he wanted it, but loves the show. One star, buddy. Cat dog 5170. Mike, <laughs> five stars. Michael yeah. Kist, quote, I know what your butt looks like, end quote. Quality podcast would recommend. <laughs> Thank you. I still don't know. I have to go back and listen. What led to that statement? But breaking, Ralph Facciano of uh, Sports New York, SNY, breaking. Jets quarterback Sam Donald is out for this Sunday's game. Shocker. Shocking, considering wow. that it was a life or death decision. Um. <laughs> oh. Adam Grace, Adam Gase is a loon, man. You never know what's going to happen there. Good update. Good for Sam. Just sit out. I like uh, somebody says uh, five stars, Kevin DeFranco. Ben, I choked on my coffee when you said Nelson Aguilar is Josh Huff. That is all. You could have tweeted that at me. And that probably <laughs> I would be able to respond more easily. But thank you for the five star review. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ultimately. Some, some of the fastest yet still understandable talking from Ben. Five stars. Thank you. Babes and Broad blow up. Thank you. Three stars because of Jimmy's uh, 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 football minute. minute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's good stuff. Anyway, so leave a review. We'll look at them and we will laugh and we will smile. Uh, I'm Benjamin Solak on Twitter. I'm Benjamin Solak. That's that's S-O-L-A-K. It's Michael Kiss on Twitter. I'm Michael Kiss on NFLSKIST. Jets defense. Eagles offense. Coming to your feeds tomorrow. Make sure you catch it. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.